first um, Bible reading is from Deuteronomy, and it's over the page, chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear all about these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws that you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Second reading is from Ephesians, chapter 2, starting from verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
How do you feel about belonging to church? A church can be uh, warm and uh, uplifting and joyous. And let's be honest, church can be cold, and I don't just mean physically. It can be depressing. It can be hard work. And I think we've all asked ourselves at some point, does it really pay to belong? Is it really worth it? Not surprisingly, I want to assure me and assure you tonight that it is. That belonging to church is central to being a disciple of Jesus. That we're saved by grace, devoted to Jesus. It's based on the scriptures and we really need to belong to our church. You'll need your outline tonight because we're going to cover a fair bit. You'll see there, first of all, that belonging to church is central to Jesus's plan you remember that God made a promise to Abraham an individual but it wasn't just to an individual it was to his descendants a group of people and so when that group of people are slaves in Egypt belonging to the Egyptians he rescues them so that they belong to him but they don't just belong to him he brings them out gathers them around him so that they belong to one another and uh, when Moses in Deuteronomy 4 our passage tonight looks back at Mount Sinai when they're gathered around the mountain he remembers that God said church them together to hear my word assemble it's the word church belonging to church was central to God's plan in the Old Testament When Jesus came along, he picked individuals, didn't he? He said to individuals, follow me, 12 individuals. And they followed him and they belonged to him. But they didn't just belong to him, they belonged to each other. They lived together. They were his new church. And yes, he died for individuals, that's true. And he told them to go out and make disciples, who would clearly be individuals, but he's building a church. Matthew 16, I will build my church. And in Ephesians 5, Paul doesn't say Jesus loved you and gave himself up for you. Now, what does he say? Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is his bride. Central to Jesus' mission is the church. And central to Jesus' goal, and the goal of all history, is the church. Uh, Let me show you at at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21. Turn this one up, Revelation chapter 21. Everything has been done And a new heaven and a new earth are created. Wow. This is the new creation. And John looks and what does he see? Verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. It's a beautiful picture. Even if you can't stand the city, it's a beautiful picture. Streets of gold where everything is perfect and there's great peace. Surely this is the good place. This is 
the Hawkesbury, but perfected in some way. This is utopia. But that's not what it says. Verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. What is it? Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Well, that's weird, isn't it? A city that's a bride. How can that be? Well, he explains it down in verse 9. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. That's Jesus. And he shows him this great city with the streets of gold and the great walls and there's no fighting in there and it's peaceful. It's a beautiful city. But what is this city? Is it a place? No, it's not. It's the bride. Does Jesus at the end of history marry a place? No. Finally, he marries his people. His bride. At the very end of the Bible, this beautiful picture of this new Jerusalem in the new creation is not actually a place at all, but a metaphor, an image of the most glorious thing that God has made, that he has been working towards for all eternity. The church gathered around Jesus. I've been reading a terrific book with my uh, younger son, Elijah. It's called God's Timeline, the big book of church history. It's it's a great book. It goes from uh, Jesus' resurrection and then the early church, the medieval church, uh, the Reformation church, the missionary church, and the modern church. It's called the modern church because we don't know what else to call it and it's around about our time. It's the big book of church history and it really gives you that sense that you're not just an individual and our church is not just on its own, but we're in a great history of God's church. But it's not big enough, do you see? Did the church start when Jesus rose from the dead? Was that when it started in God's plan? No. From the very beginning in the Old Testament, the church was God's plan. And does it somehow come to fruition now that we're in the modern church? Of course not. The end of history and the start of eternity is all about the church. Can you get that? Can you see that Jesus' church is central to his plan? This is so hard for us to get because we are individuals, aren't we? In fact, uh, preachers will tell us, God has a wonderful plan for your life and we hope the church will help us to find it. But God does not have a wonderful plan for your life. He has a wonderful plan for his church and he invites you to be part of it. You can tell how individualistic we are because people will say to us, you don't have to be to go to church to be a Christian because it's all just about believing and doing good works in the world. But if central to God's plan is the church, how could you be a Christian and not want to belong to the church? Can you realize how central the church is to Jesus? It is the group of people that he loves, that he is most concerned with. And though this gathering here tonight, you might think it's 
unimpressive, not as big as you'd like, not as cool as you'd like, not as loud as you'd like, not as soft as you like, I don't know. But it is where it's at. It is the future. The future of all humanity. And if it's central to Jesus' plans, then it must be central to our plans. Belonging to Jesus' church is central to his plans. But how do you belong to Jesus' church? Who gets to belong? And why is it that sometimes we don't feel like we belong? And it seems like some people belong more than us. Secondly, belonging to the church is completely because of Jesus. Flick over to Ephesians 2. That's the only other flick. Uh, The second Bible passage tonight. Ephesians 2, we saw a few weeks ago, is a real rags to riches story. We were dead in our sins and God has made us alive in Christ. And now he says the same thing again, just with a different perspective. Not an individual perspective, but a church perspective. Verse 11, to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, remember that you who are Gentiles by birth, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You are without hope and without God in the world. You Gentiles didn't have God and you were separated from God's people. You did not belong. To God or to God's people. But look what God's done, verse 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Far away from God, brought near to God. And it's the same for the Jews now. They've been brought near to God through Jesus. Gentiles brought near, Jews brought near, both completely Because of Jesus. And so what does that mean? That means that Jesus, verse 14, is our peace. He's demolished, he's destroyed this dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, the law, so that now we are one man. One new man, verse 15, and one body reconciled to God. Do you see? For centuries, there were two groups in all humanity, the Jews and the Gentiles, and they could have nothing to do with each other. And now, because belonging to the church is completely because of Jesus, they are brought together. And if God can do that with Jews and Gentiles, he can do it with everyone. So whether you're red and yellow, black and white, whether you're a Johnny-come-lately to the area and live in the new housing area and live on town water, or whether you're a real local who's been here for generations, whether you're fourth generation in this church, or this is your first week, you're all made one in Jesus. That's good, isn't it? There are lots of clubs 
and groups and families in the world and people can belong to them if you meet the criteria but it often feels like some people belong more than others you know like animal farm all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others you've all been in a group whether it's a friendship group or a family or a club where it seems other people belong more than you. And sometimes we think church is like that. Other people have got the right sort of gifts. Other people have been here longer than us. Other people are up the front more than us. They really belong. And I don't belong. Or maybe it's our shame. Shame of our past sin, which we wouldn't admit to anyone. Or our present sin. We either think I don't belong. Or secretly inside our heads we look at other people and think you don't belong. But belonging to Jesus' church is completely because of Jesus. And so everyone belongs equally. I heard about a church this week that was praying fervently fervently that there'd be a great group of conversions that hundreds of people would come to know Jesus. And you know what? God answered their prayer. And 150 new Christians joined their church. How exciting would that be? The problem was a whole lot of them were young and had dreadlocks and didn't wear shoes to church. And this was the sort of church where the others didn't have dreadlocks and did wear shoes to church. And it wasn't long between before those who'd been around for a while who felt like they really belonged, felt like the newbies didn't really belong. Those they'd been praying would come were no longer welcome. And sadly, the new group left and started a new church for they couldn't quite realize together that you belonged to Jesus's church completely and only because of Jesus do we think that way about ourselves and do we think that way and act that way about one another Belonging to church is central to Jesus' plan. It's got to be to our plans as well. And belonging to church is completely because of Jesus. So we all belong equally. Well, what's this mean for discipleship? What does it mean for being a, a follower of Jesus? We're saved by grace. We're devoted to Jesus. So what are the good works that we're to do in belonging to church? In Ephesians 2 there, you see it says... Chapter 2, verse 8, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. And it's an exciting verse, isn't it? We've been saved by grace, and God's created us, we're his workmanship, and he's got these works which he's prepared in advance for us to walk in. And you should be at the end of that verse going, terrific, where are those works? Tell me, Paul, I want to walk in them. Let's go. And Paul, annoying man that he is, spends the next one and a half chapters not telling you anything to do. 
It's all theology, and it's all about Jews and Gentiles, and and they're all becoming one in Jesus. And you feel like saying, I think, Paul, tell me what to do. How am I to show my devotion to Jesus? And he finally tells you. Chapter 4, verse 1. What are the good works you'll be doing out there in the world? As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling. It's not a profession or a job that you've been called to. We've been called to belong to one another. That's what he's been talking about for the last one and a half chapters. And in case you didn't quite get it, he says it again in verse 4. There's one body and one spirit. One hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Do you think unity might be the concern here? And so he says in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God has made us united. For we all belong completely because of Jesus. And what we've got to do is make every effort to keep that unity. And he spends the next three chapters spelling out, giving examples how to do it. Verse 12, be equipped by your teachers. Verse 15, all of you speak the truth in love. Verse 28, Share with those in need. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate. There are all ways that we're to be loving in serving people in the church. And in a few weeks' time, we'll focus on loving in service. But for now, there's just a couple of things that I want to point out that are really obvious, aren't they? Make every effort to keep the unity that God has created. It's obvious here that belonging means gathering. When we had our 150th anniversary, there were hundreds of people here, which was terrific, and almost all of them thought that this was their church. They were baptised here, they were married here, their parents went here. If there was any church, out of all the churches to choose from, this was the one. They belonged here. Yet that's not what the Bible's talking about, is it? If you're going to be serving people and speaking the truth in love to people, belonging means gathering. After all, the word church means gathering. And see, you've got to gather regularly. You've got to know people here. You've got to be involved in big church and you've got to be involved in small church, our growth groups. And so I think it's really encouraging. This might not be the biggest evening service around, but people are here regularly and make it a priority to be here. And I'm really encouraged by that. Of course, it's okay to miss church sometimes. Sometimes you're sick as a dog and you don't want to make everyone else sick. And sometimes you're simply out of town. And actually, they're the two reasons for not being here. Because it's a priority. We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. You're committed to school like that, turning up every time. You're committed to work like that. How much more the centre of Jesus' plans for the universe? 
And not just gathering, but sticking at it. You might think it's the centre of God's plan and this beautiful new Jerusalem that we're heading for, that church is going to be wonderful and beautiful. And it would be if everyone there was just like you. But sadly not. Verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It can't be easy if he needs to tell you to be completely humble and gentle, be patient and to bear, which means put up with, put up with one another in love. Church is difficult. And people are difficult. That's why church is difficult. We should expect that. But church is like a family and you're in it for the long haul and you stick at it and try and resolve the difficulties. Of course, there are times when you move on, when there are good reasons for leaving a church and going to another church. There can be false teaching at a church. There can be immoral leaders there can be a really good opportunity to serve somewhere else. You might have moved so it's no longer your local church. Actually, they're all the reasons, I think. Otherwise, stick at it. And if you think you have got one of those reasons and it's worth considering, then consider well, pray about it, talk with your friends about it, and please talk with your leaders about it to discern whether this is the right thing to do. But if it's simply you don't like the music or you want something bigger or there's someone that you've just fallen out with and it's difficult, the Bible says, bear with one another in love. It can be a hard word, can't it? Because church can be hard. But it's central to Jesus' plan for the universe. And it's so precious because every one of us belongs equally. So it really is worth making every effort. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that bizarrely to us, the centre of your plans for your son and for the universe is to gather a group of people around Jesus. Father, we often don't feel like this is the biggest thing happening in the world or the biggest thing in your plans. Help us to see it with your eyes. And Father, we thank you for how precious it is that we all belong that we all belong equally because it's all completely about Jesus. So, Father, help us to make every effort, every effort in gathering and every effort in being committed to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.